Nice, they can all take a nice deep breath. Right. So good to see you all. Good to see you all. Good to see you too. Lovely. So lovely to be here. And uh, can I just get you to acknowledge the people sitting on both sides of you? Just greet the people looking on both sides. Namaste. <laughs> just create the trend. <coughs> So I'd like to, before I start sharing, I'd like to invite anyone to share something they're thankful for or something that's inspiring them. Something that's inspiring them or something they're thankful for. Also share your name before you do so. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Pallavi. Uh, my full name doesn't come my passport. It's Chamarthi Pallavi Ratnavik. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't fit the passport. <laughs> Welcome, Pallavi. Welcome, Pallavi. Thank you for sharing, Pallavi. Anybody else want to share? You want to share? I'm Jyoti. I've been doing Jyoti for the last three years. Little louder. I must say the growth has been just tremendous. It has been just phenomenal in my life. So today I was reading the dewdrops. He has this magazine, and the first talk. You know, uh, we have 19 or 20 younger people in my family and we have a WhatsApp group. <laughs> so I shared it with them today. Mm. And today, being a Saturday, they will all be free. So I requested all of them, please listen to it attentively and unhurriedly. <laughs> and, and just contemplate on it. That, that talk was beautiful and just meant for every younger person. So share one thing from the talk that was meaningful to you. You know, uh, me time. Me time. Yes, the whole talk was about how to enrich in yourself, and from wherever you are coming, that is how you are dealing with the world. So first, nurture yourself, and then you can nurture everything. That is so important. Welcome, Jyoti. Welcome, Jyoti. Anybody else wants to share something? Yeah, go ahead. I'm Gita uh, I got introduced to Nitin, I think, year 2012, and uh, ever since I've been learning more and more how to uh, be with myself, how to enjoy my own company, and uh, how to heal my own issues, you know, because uh, what he has taught me is that uh, all the solutions are there around you, just have to look out for it, whether it's a, a <coughs> physical problem or a mental problem. The solutions are just around us. We just have to seek and look for them. And um, I am quite off medication, or I don't look outwards now for solutions. I look within, or just around myself. That's yeah. been the biggest blessing in my life. And um, I try and 
share it with others also whenever they are so the confidence that no matter what challenge you have the solutions are also there if <laughs> you just, just tune around, in yes. they just around you just got yes. it's got to believe in that True. and you got to trust that if there's a challenge there'll also be a solution the solution just near around yeah. where maybe when, uh, eyes are or mind is shut right. for some reason welcome geeta welcome geeta i was recently in the mountains and they have something called bichu butti this mm-hmm. is a, a plant that if you touch you get uh, rashes huh? And right next to the plant, there's typically another plant. If you rub it, <laughs> then it goes away. <laughs> so it's a great example of wherever there's a challenge, there's also a solution. I remember we went camping once, and a kid went into the bushes to do his job, and um, he couldn't find it. He had no toilet paper, so he used bichu butti. <laughs> so somebody said, "You take this other plant and then help you." <laughs> Whenever now in professional, professionally also, whenever there's a challenge, I feel uh, that the solution I had in mind probably was not the best solution. So I need to look at another, another door, another option to get the best, cha- uh, the best solution for that particular uh, situation. So I, rather than taking, you know, getting ang- anxious about you know one uh, a door being closed or one solution being not working out, yeah. I feel the best is not. Uh, this solution so god wants me to probe another way of looking at yeah. it so it helps me other way in even in my profession also so no everybody is surprised whenever i come with a problem you are never you know don't shout or don't say what will happen next always always very cool okay let's look out another option let's also how wonderful how wonderful how wonderful thank you if anybody else wants to share yeah go ahead my name is pratik I'm really thankful for the breakfast that I had today. On the so, <laughs> 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 so really very. Is she here today? Very 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 So to Hardeep's uh, break, mm. I am reminded of a joke. So this uh, man goes to God and God says, "Chalo, tum mere paas aayo. To jo tumne mangna hai, mujhse aaj mang lo." So he says, "Bas ek kam kari, meri wife ko na wapis mang ma, apne paas bula liye." So he says, "Maine aapko bola tha, mannat mang le ke liye, jannat mang."
ability to navigate through your soul has been so shifting from living a life from the head to living more from the soul <laughs> and can you give one idea or practice that enabled you to do that so other people here who want to do that can also do it what enabled you to make that shift actually uh, my uh, i don't know what uh, what uh, the creator's way is my whole life has is went through a 360 degree turn so everything what i imagine uh, evolved and uh, it was also a way of the creator to push it use that as an opportunity to push it forward mm. was very scary uh, initially and, but uh, as i started using my soul uh, i started finding my answers so you think life itself guided you to this uh, kind of happened by itself, itself uh, guided uh, me to this but also i think it, i had two paths to choose there was a path of fear or it was a path of courage okay made baby steps to the path of courage mm-hmm. uh, wonderful welcome arjun <laughs> thank you good so it's lovely to start uh, any gathering with uh, gratitude and what inspires us gets us just tuning in because what we focus on expands and um, two important skills uh, one of them is the skill of observation to be able to observe any arisen state within us or around us the skill of observation without adding to it a story without reacting to it this is the first skill the second important skill is the ability to change your state so from a low energy state to a high energy state from a discontented state to a contented state from a feeling of lack of inspiration to feeling a lot of inspiration right so even the ability to change the ability to observe is one important skill and then the Im- Im- ability to shift and change your state these are two wonderful qualities that we can learn in our life so i'm going to use simple words for these please say with me attention attention intention intention right, so attention is the ability to observe whatever is arising and intention or sankalpa is your uh, ability to change your way of thinking about it change your way of looking at it and when you change your way of looking at it the way you feel also begins to change so i remember this uh, little story i saw i i read a little small video but i also read it uh, this uh, man and his son are on a train and the son is saying father look the trees are running father look the trees are running and the other people are surprised this man is in his this boy is in his 20s what are they saying trees are running they think that he's got some mental disability so they say to the parents to the father have you taken him to a hospital to see someone and the father says yes actually we're coming from a hospital he's been blind his whole life today for the first time he can see <laughs> so for someone who can see for the first time it appears the trees are running with us the trees are running with us when the train is going right now just hearing that it will change the perspective of the person who could until then they thought that he has a mental problem but turns out he's just very excited because he's seeing things with fresh eyes which we don't notice so much anymore So sometimes it can just take in fact you know we often think of change takes a long time but actually i found change takes a moment if you trace in your life when the shifts happened there were usually a moment things just settle someone said something or you understood something or you read something and just something there was a, there was a shift so
So it's usually a moment where the shift happens and it's your way of thinking changes. People say that it takes time to heal. And in my understanding is not really, it just when your thinking process changes, then the healing happens. Now for some people it takes a long time because the thinking process changes very, very slowly, very evolutionary. But it's also possible for the thinking process to change rather quickly. And when the thinking, the day the thinking process changes, then your experience also begins to change. So when a movie is projected on a screen, different kinds of movies can be projected, all kinds of Hindi movies, English movies, action movies, comedy movies, and the audience enjoys it. But when the movie ends, the screen is just the same. The screen has not been affected. So what I'm interested in is, what is that part of us that is completely unaffected by the story of our life? So each one of here, if we sit down and start telling our story, so first of all, it depends on the question I ask. If I say, talk about the challenges you faced. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure any one of you can stand here and start talking. And soon we'll have to ask our host Anjali that our tissue DJ napkin DJ. Because any one of you I'm sure is capable of standing here and telling your story in such a way that it brings up tears in our eyes. Because you've all faced so many challenges in your life. That's one way to tell the story. But if I change the question and I say, tell me why you're the most lucky person alive. <laughs> why you're the most blessed, fortunate person alive. And I bet any one of you will come here and start talking. And again, we'll say, Anjali, please give us a tissue, okay, give us a napkin, because our tears are coming, too much inspiration is coming. Because <laughs> this person has had such an amazing life. Because each one of you has also had a very amazing life. So it's a question of how you're telling the story of your life. What's the narrative of your life? I came across some interesting research where there was a psychologist in Canada, and he was about to retire. So he was putting, up, putting together his papers, cleaning out his office. And he found a file of some interviews he had done 30 years back with school children. And he never followed up on that. He said, wouldn't it be interesting to catch these students again, find out where they are, and check how their life is going. So in that interview, he'd ask them some simple questions like, you know, how happy are you at home? What, is, what are the things you enjoy doing? Do you feel comfortable? Just basic measuring their happiness levels as children. And he managed to track down many of them and he again interviewed them, what do you remember of your childhood? And he found most of them had very different memories of their childhood than what actually had happened in their childhood. So those who said, I had a very difficult, terrible childhood, in their childhood they were quite okay. <laughs> and those who said, I had a very beautiful, wonderful childhood, in their childhood they were complaining about many things. In other words, our memory is very malleable. So here's one important teaching, please say with me. Thinking, Thinking. is not fact. It's not fact. It's important to remember that our thoughts are not fact. Right? Thoughts are just thoughts. And you can have thoughts about anything. And your thoughts change all the time. So just because you think about someone or something a certain way, remind yourself this is not the fact. This is just my drishikon. This is just my perspective of this person or situation at this particular time. And here's an interesting uh, uh, principle that what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. If you think of it a certain way, it becomes like that. So there was a time when they believed, a lot of people in the West, they believed that lightning strikes were God's way of punishing people. Lightning strike is God's way of punishing people. So when a person invented a lightning conductor, you know, they put this on the houses, tall houses. They put a simple strip of metal that goes down deep into the ground. They were very upset. The church actually opposed this person. They said, what are you doing? <laughs> this is God's way of punishing evil people. How can you put a lightning conductor and, and stop God from punishing people, right? 
it's the drishtikon, it's the way of thinking. Today we don't think like that anymore. It's when our way of thinking changes, our experience also changes. So coming back to the analogy of the screen, our screen, the, there's a certain screen which is unaffected. There's a part of us that is completely unaffected by the story of our life. And in many gatherings we meet, we only further develop our story. Either we develop it, oh, I'm a very spiritual, wonderful person. <laughs> or we go in the sense of, I'm not good enough, right? Compared to others, like if you go to a class, any kind of learning opportunity, such comparing ourselves. She's so good, he's, he's not so good. I remember in school, I went to a singing class. And immediately comparison began. He sings so nicely. He can take it so high. He can't do it like this. Comparison, always comparison is going on. Even in spiritual gatherings, you go for a meditation retreat also. I remember when I go for meditation retreats. The subtle comparison, he can sit for longer. <laughs> he uh, doesn't change his position, he's so quiet, he's seeming so calm, right? And you meet them on the 10th day, they were also going through their own problems. <laughs> they were all having their own challenge. But for those 9, 10 days, it looked like that person is doing so well, I'm the only one who has a challenge. So this mental comparison always. So most of our events of our life are adding to that story. It is only a few glimpses now and again where we step back from the story. And today's gathering is one such opportunity. It's the opportunity to recognize that there is a story and know that it is just that, it is a story. It is a story, it is, not, it is a thought, not the fact. Whatever thoughts you have about your life are thoughts. They are not facts. And those thoughts can change, right? So one good discovery, there's a lot of research on memory nowadays and one important discovery is human memory is not like computer memory. In a computer memory, you go back, you retrieve a file, the same file is there. Every time you retrieve it, the same file is there. Human memory, every time you retrieve a memory, the memory changes. Fascinating. Every time you remember something, the very act of remembering it changes the memory. So over a period of time, if you look in your past, and you keep on noticing how many times you were supported, how many people helped you, how everything that happened, you learned from it, you grew from it, made you stronger. Your way of looking at it changed, your experience of it has changed. If you go back and see how many people troubled you, how difficult it was, how everything, everything you tried ended up in failure, you keep thinking like that, it changes your experience, you look at your life as a very difficult life. So the very act, the very way of observing changes our experience of it. In fact, when I studied management, this was one of the first things we learned. It's called the Hawthorne experiments. This was an experiment done in a factory where they were trying to figure out what is the optimal level of lighting. What is the optimal lighting for most productivity in this particular factory? So these people were there and they were measuring and they kept playing with the lighting. They made it brighter, they made it dimmer. And they kept finding no matter what they did, productivity kept going up. <laughs> they made it so dim that you could barely even see people and still the productivity was going up. They got very confused. How can it be that in all the different lighting conditions, productivity keeps going up? Then finally it struck them the reason productivity is going up is not because of the lightning, lighting. It's because these people are being observed. <laughs> so the very fact that they were being observed and they knew that people are looking at them, they would work very hard. <laughs> oh, that never even occurred to them that even the very act of observation changes what happens. This is the beginning of management studies. That how the very act of looking at someone changes their behavior. And all of management actually began management study, that's one of the first studies that led to all of management education. How do you manage human beings? Uh, until then, it was only hygiene conditions, like feed them well, make sure that it's clean atmosphere, make sure the lighting is good, ventilation is good. 
they never realize that the mind is also important. What are people believing? What are they thinking? And that has an impact on how they do. So I want to share with you now um, four ways in which we can do these two things. Observe, observe and change the state. Right? Or attention and intention. We'll explore four dimensions of this today. And we'll also explore it, like Arjun was saying, not just thinking, <coughs> but being. So not just at the head level, but at a heart level, at a being level. I came across an interesting interview the other day where a man was, uh, he was saying I'd gone for a Zen retreat, Zen meditation retreat. And there was something in that retreat I didn't like. The timetable I didn't like and the food they were offering us I did not like. And little by little, day after day, my irritation kept growing. And once a day we had an interview with the teacher. I went to the teacher and said, I'm quite upset. I don't like your timetable. I don't think you're giving us enough time for this and that. And I don't even like your, the food you're offering us. I'm angry. So the teacher said, show me your anger. And he couldn't show the anger. <laughs> so again, next day, again he came, again he was complaining. He said, show me your anger. He couldn't show the anger. And after the fourth day, he finally got really upset and he shouted at the teacher. <laughs> And they just smiled and said, good. Because <laughs> all these days you were talking about your anger. Today you have shown your anger. And in that moment, he was just fully himself. Instead of talking about what was, what was upsetting him, he just allowed himself to be upset. And he said, after that, nothing bothered him anymore. <laughs> because he did it with full awareness. Anything you do with full awareness is not a problem. Anything you do without awareness is a very big problem. Now what this does is it takes away our fear of life. A lot of spiritual strategies are actually to try to contain ourselves into a certain bubble, always peaceful, always happy, always kind, always grateful, and never upset, never angry, never fearful, never anxious. But the truth is in life you're gonna face all of these. That never works. You cannot only have one part, you cannot you can never have in a magnet only north and never south. In a battery, only uh, positive without a negative. You will always have both. Every This is how life is based on polarities. Both have to work together. So instead of trying to separate them, we include them. We see that there's a reason for it. There's an intelligence in life. There's a reason we have this whole big palette of uh, colors of emotions and states. But can we experience them fully? So everything I'm going to talk about, these four aspects, I want us to not just talk about them, I want us to really experience it fully. And that way, the transformation starts to happen. So, let's talk about these four things. So, say with me, attention outside, attention inside, intention inside, intention outside. These are the four, four dimensions I'm going to talk about. We'll, we'll elaborate these four things. So, attention outside. Attention outside is being aware of what is happening right now, right? So of course what you're seeing, what is being heard, any smell, sometimes taste, and any touch, whether the body is touching or whatever is happening, at the sense experience level, attention on the outside. Attention outside is not just what's happening outside the body, even what's happening inside the body. Because actually, the body does not define inside-outside. Because actually your body is made up of the same elements as outside. 
outside this earth element inside the body there's earth element outside this water inside this water <coughs> outside this space inside this space all the elements earth water fire air and space are there outside <coughs> as well as inside so when you recognize this even inside so the feelings on the inside whatever is whatever emotions are arising or even thoughts are arising on the inside of the body i'm also going to call it as attention outside so anything you are aware of is attention outside and we will not just be aware of it we will be aware of its quality what is its quality so now try this uh, be aware of what you're seeing Be aware of what you're hearing. Notice how many different kinds of sounds you can notice. you like you can close your eyes notice where all the body is touching are the legs touching something are the clothes touching the body is the moving air touching the skin Notice the flow of the breath. Feel the breath as it moves in. Feel the breath as it moves out. I will mention some parts of the body. Notice what you're feeling deep inside that part of the body. the top of the head the back of the head the whole face simply observe simply notice what you're experiencing in each part of the body throat and neck both the shoulders both the upper arms both the lower arms down to the fingertips 
just keep your awareness within the body notice what's being experienced and now the whole chest as well as the upper back and now the whole belly as well as the lower back this is not about imagination this is about feeling notice what you feel here right now if thoughts arise be aware of those thoughts those thoughts now from the hips down to the knees the upper legs and now from the knees down to the toes the lower legs attention outside includes any sense experience sights sounds smell taste touch any inner feelings pleasant or unpleasant also any thoughts any memories any plans anything arising at a thought level I'd like you to observe any or all of these things and notice what is its quality. What can you learn about this aspect of your experience? When you pay careful attention, things start revealing their true nature. So now pay careful attention to any of these aspects sensory experience inner feelings or thoughts we'll all take a slow deep breath 
If you want, you can rub your hands. It's nice and long. Bring them over your eyes. Over your face. Let's say together, how wonderful. How wonderful. So we trained our attention. We trained our attention, noticing sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, <coughs> noticing inner <coughs> feelings of aliveness, and also noticing any thoughts that are arising. Did you notice any quality or characteristic as you did this experiment? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that there's some tension in my head. Some tension. So I just consciously relax mm. my head. <coughs> Right, so you notice some kind of tightness yeah. and then you just did whatever you needed to do to shift that. Very nice, thank you. Somebody else? Fear. A sense of fear? Okay. And just for, was there a reason for it or just, it just came up? Just came so up. like a tight, tightening inside yourself? Yeah, yeah. Does it happen every time you do this? Or just today it happened? Fear comes up quite often. Right. So you notice a quality of fear coming up. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. I noticed like uh, incongruence. I felt like my head was having a different feeling of huh. shoulders. So you felt like some kind of division in your body, like the head yeah. was feeling different from yeah, some other parts. I felt like ambiguous feelings. Ambiguous. And different feelings. Different feelings. All right. Yeah. Good. Anybody else? Thank you. From the outside, you see that uh, your awareness. You can be much more aware. When you're looking outside? Yeah, when As opposed to when you're bringing on the inside. Because you're not used to looking yeah, yeah. within ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <coughs> Thank you. Anybody else wants to share? What quality you noticed? Yeah, at times, the outline, I mean, you couldn't feel that there's a. You couldn't feel an outline? Yeah. yeah, very good. That's good. Because actually, there isn't an outline, it's a mental image of an outline. Sometimes, <coughs> yeah. When we sleep at night, there's no border. In fact, right now also just try something, just close your eyes for a moment and just feel what you're feeling in the body. Now for a moment, I'm going to say, let's just say for the next half a minute, let's say you've forgotten what your body looks like. You have no memory of what your body looks like. All you can go with is your feelings. So at the level of feeling, see if you can find a boundary. Can you find a clear line which differentiates inside from outside? at the level of feelings. Everybody notice? And if you can find that line, then focus more on that line. And is it really so clear? This is in, this is out. Check. So you have no memory of what the body looks like. All you have is feeling. Can you find a boundary? Check again. You'll all take a deep breath. <sighs> Say how wonderful. how wonderful. So anybody wants to share? What do they notice? Definitely, there was a boundary because what was inside was very precious, and it was just mind and 
audiences and it mattered only to me. Mm -hmm. And outside it was everybody's and mm -hmm. it was impersonal, but inside it was mm -hmm. very personal. And could you find a line, a clear yes. distinguishing line? Yes. That's fine. So I would invite you to now meditate on that line. Right. And just see if, if is it really a clear line like this or is it like an amorphous thing and is it like a mental construct the idea of a line so just stay with that idea of line it's fine anybody else do you want to share uh, my family body was restricted to one small one lump yeah uh -huh. only on the left side just yeah okay i see someone had kind of tightened it up i see interesting so you felt a kind of lump, lumpy feeling inside that's fine. And whatever you're experiencing is totally fine, by the way. <laughs> because we're doing an experiment in our experience. We're just getting into our own experience. There's no right or wrong answer in any of this. Thank you. Yeah, you want to share? When you said that thing, is there a border or something, so I actually thought it became like a balloon. It's all air in a balloon. But then I said, who's holding this balloon? Yeah, okay. So I was holding, I said, but I'm not, I'm supposed to be this, this feeling. So then I just became a amorphous. Uh, I'm just like a cloud merged into the air. Fine. So you felt that amorphous feeling. Anyone else? Let's have someone who's not spoken yet. I didn't feel a boundary. You didn't feel a boundary. What did you feel? Nothing. There was just a oneness. A sense of oneness. Yeah. There yeah. was no boundary. Yeah. Very I interesting. I tried to find that line, but there was nothing. Exactly. Beautiful. So it's actually, this is, it's good to explore because what I've understood is that the mind creates boundaries. The mind, you know, our, our whole education system is based on divisions. This is this and this is this. This is boy, this is girl. This is India, this is Pakistan. This is my house, this is your house. This is good, this is bad. It, all the whole mind's job is to analyze, separate, always create divisions, divisions, this and that, this and that, this and that. But reality is not this and that. Reality, everything is connected. Everything in nature is connected. The more they, like scientists, ecologists tell us, it's a system. Everything influences everything else. Right. We cannot say this and that. Everything is interconnected. You know, we talk about the internet as a very big revolution. But long before the internet, ecologists are finding trees connected to each other through something called mycelium. Mycelium is what is also known as what mushrooms and things like that, fungus. This mycelium is called mycelium running. Mycelium are microscopic strands that connect organisms to organisms. And what they found is, European trees were communicating with trees in North America. How is that possible? Because the whole earth is a living system. And mycelium running, mycelium runs from one continent to another continent. Like in a, in a forest, they found, so they can measure states of a tree. If a forest fire starts in one corner, trees in the other corner of the forest are aware the forest fire has started. Communication is run through. This is long before the human created the internet. The whole world is a living system. If you've seen the movie Avatar, and there's that living, living tree, the, the mother tree in the middle, it's something like that. Anyway, so anybody else wants to share? One more person? Anyone? Yeah, go ahead. What I could feel initially, and yeah. there are a lot of people the first time coming, uh, that I, I just got out of chicken. Yes. So every part of my body. You could feel it. <laughs> yes. How much pain I have in my knee. I know. How much is in here. Yeah. What what part is relaxed? What part is good? Yeah. yeah. So that is what I could totally. You could really experience it very fully. Yeah. It was dissected. Yes. Which is good. This is not. Yes. So that is. But I didn't feel that I'm outside of my body. It is my soul and whatever else is 
everything. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever <coughs> you're feeling is there. Do you need a chair, by the way? Mm, Maybe no, someone. I'm just the shifting my position after every time. Can we give you put somebody mind? Yeah. Why don't you just come? You're sure? Okay, she wants to sit there. There is there is a chair here in case you ever want. I would. I just keep on. All right, fine. So one characteristic that I would like to talk about is the characteristic of change. That any experience you have, would you agree it changes? Yes. So pleasant changes, unpleasant changes, even neutral changes. So one of the most reliable ca characteristics is the characteristic of change. In fact, all your sense doors work on the basis of change. Photons of light are continuously stimulating the rods and cones in the back of your eye and that is what enables vision when I'm speaking there's a compression and expansion of sound vibrations, sound waves and that stimulates the eardrums and that allows hearing same with smell, certain molecules are stimulating your nerve endings in your nose same with taste did you know I recently found out that we have taste buds which specialize in different tastes there is no taste bud for chili. How can we taste chili? There is no taste bud for chili. Because chili is actually not a taste. Chili is burning on the tongue. <laughs> chili is like a burning sensation. It's not a taste at all. Very interesting. Anyway. But the point is everything is changing. And it is the change itself that enables our sense doors to operate. So the Buddha in his second discourse, third discourse after enlightenment is called the Atita Pariyaya Sutta it's called the fire sermon <coughs> and he says this is a sermon given to fire ascetics people who used to worship fire and the Buddha is trying to tell them that you're worshipping fire on the outside but actually everything is burning so he says eyes are burning sights are burning eye consciousness is burning the feeling that arises from all of these three connecting that is also burning based on that feeling likes arise, dislikes arise, neutral experiences arise that is also burning Everything is burning. Sounds are burning. Ear is burning. Sound sense door, the consciousness is burning. The contact that arises is burning. The feelings that arise are burning. <coughs> the likes and dislikes and neutral sensations or feelings or intentions around that is also burning. It's all burning. Burning with what? Burning with craving, I want more, I want more. Burning with what? Burning with aversion, I don't want, I don't want. Burning with what? Burning with don't know, don't know, confused. It's all burning. So the word he uses in Pali is pakampito, 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 burning. In other words, vibrating, 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 constantly vibrating. So when the Buddha says dukkha hai, he says this is what the dukkha is. Everything is vibrating, pulsating, vibrating. And we're trying to hold on and say, but I want more of this. <laughs> and I want less of this. And this should definitely happen, this should definitely not happen. In a world, you're in the middle of the ocean. Everything is vibrating, tossing, oscillating. You say, I want this, I don't want that. It is so ridiculous. Everything is oscillating. What are you going to hold on over here? Everything you hold on is going to just, right in your hands, going to dissolve. Everything is burning, burning, changing, changing, changing. So, we talked about the movie and the screen. So, one of the ways to get to the screen is to realize it's changing. Everything is changing. So, my practice began with this, this particular a perception. Say with me, the direct experience, the direct experience of, change. of change. So mentally we all know, intellectually we all know everything changes. But intellectually is not enough. Intellectually you know how to make food. But that's not going to take care of your hunger. You've got to go to the kitchen, make the food and put it in your mouth. In the same way, intellectually knowing things change 
is not enough to create the transformation. It has to be experienced. <coughs> the direct experience of change. This took me a while to get. I remember going for a meditation retreat and they taught us this. And I would get pain in my leg. You know, it would be to meditate 10 hours a day in that retreat. And the pain in the leg would come and I'd keep telling the pain, you're impermanent. You cannot last forever because after a while I'll change my position, you'll go away. But telling it it's impermanent didn't do anything. It still remained. And my irritation also kept going up. What's wrong? It's not going. I'm telling it it's impermanent. It didn't go away. Right? And then sometimes very pleasant experiences would arise. Feeling very, very comfortable. That like, Finally, I know how to meditate. Now I know. And next time I sit to meditate, it's gone. And then I get very agitated. What happened? I did so well last time. I was so peaceful. Now it's completely disappeared. What happened? Because I got attached to that. So they were the trying to push away and they were the trying to hold on. So even though I intellectually got it, I didn't really get it. It was my third meditation course and my teacher said, you're thinking about it. Get into it. So remember the Zen ex experience I, I talked about? The person, teacher said, you're talking about anger. Show me your anger. And then when he touched his anger with awareness, poof, it was finished. You touch it with awareness. You really enter the experience fully. So then I found I could be in that state and there could be a lot of physical pain. But I just focus on the changing aspect of it. It's changing, it's pulsating, it's vibrating, it's changing, it's pulsating, it's vibrating. When it's vibrating, pulsating, changing, it's not a problem. It's only when you see it as one solid lump. That's a really big problem. So it's like a person is drowning and you throw them a tube and they're holding onto the tube. And as long as they're holding onto the tube, they don't drown. So within this ocean of samsara, this ocean of ups and downs, sensory experiences, you found a firm footing, you found an island. You can put your foot on. What's the firm footing? In a world full of change, what is the firm footing? The firm footing is change itself. <laughs> change is the only thing that doesn't change. Change is the one thing. In a, in a wheel that's spinning very fast, the very center of that wheel is still. So you have to find that center. The center is that which is observing the change. So what I found in my practice is, when everything is changing, everything is coming and going, changing, 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 you meditate on that change. And that is liberating. Who would have thought the liberation is found right in the place where the problem was? That, that itself is the freedom. So this is called, say with me, horizontal escape. Horizontal escape. What does it mean, horizontal escape? It comes from a story that a worm is born inside a bamboo. You know, bamboo's got segments. So that's how it grows. So there's a worm born inside the, the bamboo in a segment. And someone tells it, there's more to life than this little place you're living in. So start moving upwards. And eventually you'll get freedom. So the worm moves up and there's a segment. It cuts through it. It moves up. There's another segment. Keeps going slowly and slowly. It's moving up. And then it meets another worm over there. It's a you silly worm. Why are you climbing this way? Go sideways. <laughs> because instead of trying to go all the way up and escaping, go sideways, the same freedom is available to you. So horizontal escape. Instead of vertical escape, that I'll have to practice these things for a very long time before I get there. Because that's what I, my first assumption was, I have to develop myself, I have to be a better meditator, I have to be a kinder person, more patient person, all of these things, and then I will attain something. Instead of that, I realized the truth is always here. If the truth is in the future, it is as much of an illusion as anything else. The truth has to be here. The truth of who you are, your ultimate nature, your true nature, has to be here right now. Otherwise, it's just another fantasy, as any other fantasy. Now, how do you access that? 
So today, like I said, there are four ways to access. We've learned the first one. Say with me one more time. The direct experience, the direct experience of, change. of change. So any experience you're having, sensory experience, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, inner experiences, stay with it and notice it's changing, it's changing, it's changing. Whatever is changing is right away implying something is not changing. Tell me if you're going at the same speed as another train, does it look like it's moving? But if you're still, and the other one starts moving. <laughs> Have you noticed sometimes when your train is still and the other one starts moving, you feel that your train is moving? But actually one of them is still and one of them is moving. So in order for there to be a perception of change, there has to be something that's not changing. So right here, there is something that is not changing. In the middle of your tumultuous life, there is something that is like that movie screen, completely unaffected. And one of the ways to access that is the direct experience of change. This is the first aspect. This is, this is what I call attention outside. Now we'll also talk about attention inside. Now attention inside is, who is it that is observing this change? Who is it? So we, we use the word, the most common perhaps phrase we use is I am. I am this, I am th that, I am tired, I am hungry, I am excited, uh, I am so happy to see you, I am an engineer, I am a professional, I am a mother, I am a father, I am, I am, I am, and we keep on adding things to it. That roaster is like a spinning wheel, I am this, I am that, and that keeps changing all the time. But we very rarely question what is this I am? <laughs> what is the I am that is all of these things? We never look in that direction. And we keep on trying to embellish the I am trying to make it something more, trying to make it something better. But what is that I am? So this inner journey of questioning, who am I? Who am I really? So I'm going to give it in a simpler way. And uh, the question that I prefer to who am I is, say with me, who am I? Who am I? Without my stories. Without my stories. So like I said, after the I am, whatever you say after the I am is a story. And the story keeps changing all the time. From morning to evening, the story is changing. Right? So instead of asking who am I, which is kind of a, our mind doesn't know what to do with it, we'll go in another direction. We'll just say, who, is, who am I without the story? If I take away the story, what's left? And the story is everything. A story is your, your name, your education, your financial position, the people in your family, things you want to do, things you haven't done, disappointments. Everything is your story. However, you're describing yourself with your story. And like we said, thought is not fact. Thought is thought. Right. All right. So now stay with this question, either with eyes open or closed. And the question is one more time, say with me, who am I, who am I? Without, all my without all my stories? If you get any answer, ask yourself, who am I without that story? Don't let words satisfy you. Stay with the experience.
and practice in a very relaxed way. Don't try to push. Be very light with this. And one more time, who are you without all your stories? Suppose all the stories just dropped. <coughs> Who are you before the story of this life? So before birth, before all this whole story began, who are you before all of this? We can all take a slow deep breath. If you like, you can rub your hands. Move your eyes. How wonderful. So we asked an important question. Who am I without my stories? and we look to the source of our experience. This happens very rarely because non-stop we are looking outside. All our senses are directed outwards. So to turn the flow of attention back inwards, this is very opposite to what we ever do. Right. So if some of you felt uncomfortable or felt very uh, strange or weird or you know imbalanced or whatever, that's totally fine because you're not used to doing it. Anything that you're not used to doing, it can be a bit challenging. <coughs> Don't worry about that. All right. Does anyone want to share something or ask something? What you is it like? An you didn't get an answer. Yeah. In fact, I would have been worried if you got an answer. <laughs> Say more. So, I kept dropping. Yes, I'm very good. This, very I'm good. Exactly. This. Beautiful. Well, down, right down to my childhood, that was baby. Ah. If I'm not that, then who am I? Right. And you don't even you don't get an answer. It's beautiful. Scary. It's scary. <laughs> so who are you now? When you say scary, I will say who are you without that story? So ultimately, I felt yeah, just a. A pulsating thing, Beautiful. Yeah. which I was comparing to maybe like an earthworm. It's just pulsating, living, but then I'm not an earthworm. You earthworm, you, if you're a worm, you go sideways. But <laughs> 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 well, it's good. I'm glad you're you're going that direction. Beautiful. Yeah. You were talking about watching a movie on the huh. project. So I see like you're just good stories you're projecting to the project. Yes. And then you go back and there's nothing. Yes. So it's, it's you're creating illusions. Just projects. Very nice. It's just nothingness. Nothingness. Very nice. I remember a teacher of mine once said to me <coughs> that in today's world, the experts 
and tell me if it's true. The experts know more and more about less and less. Would you agree? Like my wife is a scientist, she's a soil scientist. She went for a conference of soil and water scientists. You would think they're close enough. But in that conference, they were having a hard time understanding each other. <laughs> because their language is so specialized that the water scientists have their own language and the soil scientists have their own language. They know more and more about less and less. Even such similar fields, they were not able to properly communicate with each other. And these days, doctors, one doctor will specialize in the right eye, one in the right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but basically, more and more specialized, right? Each part of the body, there is a specialist and a super specialist, right? So would you agree, experts know more and more about less and less? So therefore, my teacher said the ultimate expert is one who knows everything about nothing. <laughs> That's called the Buddha. The Buddha knows everything about nothing. Right? And would you agree that it takes nothing to include everything? Only nothing is big enough to include everything. Reminds me of the last talk you did about space. About space, yes. Yeah. That space is something which can include everything within it. So instead of being a somebody, which immediately limits you, I'll just come to you here. Yeah. Instead of being a somebody which immediately limits you, when you start looking, you go back inside, inside, inside. And I like the way you said that you couldn't find an answer. Because the moment you can describe something, then that's just another I am something. That's another story. I remember one program I did where I did the same exercise. And a person, his eyes, his face was blissful. You could just see the kind of glow on his face. He said, I felt I was sitting on the lap of God. And so I smiled and I said, okay, who are you? without that story. <laughs> and he got very confused. And then later on he said, Nitya, many times in my life I have come to this place sitting on the lap of God and I felt very blessed. I'm sitting in the lap of God and how amazing that is. But today you took away that story also I'm feeling totally free. Because <laughs> even that's a separation, right? Lap of God, there's still a separation there. Anything you describe, there has to be separation. So one good thing to know, uh, to understand is that you can never know yourself. Anything you know cannot be yourself. If I know this bell, then by definition, I'm not this bell. If I can see this carpet, then I'm not this carpet. If I can see my hand, I can see my hand, so I'm not this hand. If I can feel these feelings, I can feel these feelings, I'm not these feelings. Anything that can be perceived or conceived, I'm not. So please say with me, I cannot know myself. I can only be myself. <laughs> Because there's no place for two over there, right? It's too close. A thumb cannot know itself. A thumb can only be itself. Thumb can touch something else, but thumb cannot know itself. It can only be itself. So when you come to a place of no answers, which is why then you understand why all the greatest philosophers said that you, I don't know. Socrates at the end of his life said, all I know is that I know not. Right. So at the end of it, you come to a place of not knowing. Instead of knowing, the expert knows a lot. The master questions everything that they have ever known. And they come to a place of not knowing, which is closer to the truth. Because thought is not fact. Thought is just an idea, construct. Anybody else? You were saying you were raising your hand? Yes. Sorry. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Question itself is very good. The question itself, it takes a thorn to remove another thorn. It takes a needle to pull out a you know, splinter that's gone into a... So it's very true. It's a skillful means. 
anything we're learning here is also a story in that sense very good that's true yeah i got a feeling that i am that i am like mm -hmm. there was nothing i could find oh, nice. you went into the circle yeah. i am that i am right right good all right so uh, come back to the previous one we said please say with me the direct experience the direct experience of change of change now if you stop over there and this is what i found was the problem with meditation the problem with meditation is that if you just stay with observing and experience like mindfulness you're you're aware of what you're seeing hearing smelling tasting or even you're doing a mantra for a very long time or you're doing any meditation for a long period of time you can develop concentration but it doesn't liberate unless you look back and say well who is observing this so in the in the in the monastic tradition i came from one of the one of the main practices was the mantra that they'd give people the mantra was boli mere sath buddho buddho means awake so the teacher would say just practice saying buddho all day long practice saying buddho whether you're uh, washing your clothes or you're walking or you're eating keep saying and mentally keep saying buddho 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 and little by little that buddho gets fully established so that all day long the buddho is going on automatically and then he would say now question who is aware of this buddho who is saying buddho who is reciting buddho so you go from some experience which you stabilize in then you ask who is aware of this experience so the direct experience of change not as a person but as a presence something is aware so instead of saying i am aware there is awareness So you shift from being a person to being a presence, from being a somebody to being a nobody. So the whole journey, the way I the way I understood it, let's say together, from being, from being an unhappy somebody, an unhappy somebody to being a happy nobody. <laughs> And happy because not because it always feels happy, because all these states can change without resistance. So you don't have a sense of definition. I am this and I am not this. I've even met very so-called positive people, and they say, you know, Nitya, I used to be so positive. I don't know what's happened in the last few years. I'm not so positive anymore. I used to be so energetic. I don't know what's happened. You even attach to a pleasant state, a good state. That's also your bondage. I met a lady who was very dissatisfied because she used to have visions of Krishna. Krishna would come to her. Krishna would play with her. Krishna would talk to her, like a, like a real person. And then she said, for the last three four years, he's not coming. <laughs> and she's so depressed even a nice experience like that becomes a bondage you're trying to replicate it every time see what a burden it is trying to run away from unpleasant trying to recreate the pleasant always this ba this baggage we carry so we we explored two things so far attention outside which is what you're aware of and attention inside what is it that is aware the direct experience of change as a present Now this is the whole dimension of observation. So learn to observe experience and the source of experience. And this is the horizontal escape. This leads us to our true nature. This brings us back to that screen that no matter what's going on movie of our life, you'll find that there is something that's all right. So outwardly the movie of your life will continue, but inwardly you have found a firm and stable place to rest, your true nature. Now we'll come to the second aspect. In fact, before that, let's take a minute of silence. Just relax. Just be. The direct experience of change as a presence, which means that things are changing, and no one is affected by it. 
nice deep breath. How wonderful. <laughs> and now we'll come, say with me, intention inside. Intention outside. Intention outside. Now intention is to create a state change, to change the states. I'll give you a few examples yeah. of this. Intention inside. So instead of feeling that you're alone in this world, begin to feel that you're supported. Now what are we supported by? This you can have any kind of story around it that you want. So you say God, you say the laws of physics, <laughs> you say uh, uh, some teacher that you have faith in, some quality like love, like compassion, whatever you want to believe in, something is always supporting you. Every moment of your life you're supported. So to feel the support of reality, every moment there is support. Like right now, this body has trillions of cells. And are you consciously directing all those cells, okay, now do this, now do that, make sure you, you know, get enough water, make sure you clean out your toxins, make sure you reproduce. It's happening by itself. So there's something that's supporting. Right. What enables this life to continue? There are so many supporting factors. At any moment, there are so many supporting factors. There are also a few challenging factors, and that's for our growth. If there were no challenging factors, you'd get totally bored. In fact, if, if, you, if right now I took away all your challenges, I guarantee in 24 hours you'll invent new challenges. <laughs> you will create new challenges for yourself, because that's what it is. Human beings and all beings, support and challenge is a part of life. Right? So the challenge, instead of looking at it, many people go to the temple to pray, God, take away these challenges. But that is actually, in a, in a, in a sense, I would even say it's insulting the intelligence of life. You think that I'm smarter than the intelligence of life, let me tell life, life, this is the way it's supposed to be. Oh, really? Could it be that that is actually part of your journey? That's actually here to make you grow? And sometimes, what at that time seems like a terrible, unpleasant experience, later on turns out to be the most important learning of our life. Because it taught us so much. In such a short period of time, it taught us so much. And because I get a chance to work with hundreds and thousands of people, and I talk to them, and they share, you know, it's, it's wonderful in my role, People come and they share with me their innermost experiences. Real challenges in their family life. Real challenges in their inner life. They come and share with me. And as we spend time on it, we realize that this is a treasure trove. This is a treasure trove of learning. Huge opportunity right here. And every single time we find it. So I have actually, I no longer see any life event as a bad thing. I've met people with cancer. I've met people who've seen someone die, been murdered. I've seen people who've uh, been sexually abused. All kinds of people. And from each of those things, treasure has come out. Amazing treasure has come out. So to feel supported. And whatever way you want to feel supported, right? But the point is that I am always inwardly supported. Now one way I would do this is I would create a three-dimensional uh, mental image of all the people I really am inspired by. So I would imagine uh, the Buddha in front. I would imagine Sri Aurobindo at the back. I would uh, imagine uh, my other teachers, Webu Sayada on the right. I would <coughs> imagine uh, some Bodhisattva on the right. People that I am inspired by, right? The hugging Amma, I just love how compassionate she is. She's hugging people, thousands of people day after day. Amazing uh, kind of energy, right? So everybody I was inspired by, I would create a mental image 
one person in front, one behind, one right, one left, one this side, one this side. And like there's a big mandala. And I would feel I'm sitting in the middle of all of these and they're all sending me their blessings. And imagine the strength that gave me, that each one of these teachers that I, I admire, and it's up to you. In my case, because I'm more into the spiritual uh, realm, that's what inspires me. Some of the, one of you is an entrepreneur, think of your, uh, your guides or mentors or people who inspire you in the entrepreneurial world. So think of whoever inspires you and say, that person's here, amazing determination. That person's here, amazing creativity. That person's here, amazing leadership. And think of all the people that inspire you and they're supporting you, they're giving you their blessings. I went to, in Florida, I went to the um, home of, of Edison, Edison's home, Thomas Edison's home. And there, in his uh, laboratory, there is a reclining couch. And apparently, every day in the afternoon, he would rest there for some time, 20 minutes or so. And people thought he was napping, but actually he was not napping. He wrote later on that when I rest over there, I'm having an inner conversation with the greatest minds who've ever lived. So he would mentally be conversing with the greatest scientific figures. He talked to, in his mind, he talked to Newton. In his mind, he talked to Aristotle, he talked to Socrates, he talked to some of the greatest minds who've ever lived, Michelangelo. And he tells them, he tells them, this is a, I'm facing this challenge, how would you resolve this challenge? He'd have a mental dialogue with them. And he would come up with so many inventions. In other words, he was tapping into something universal. So we all have to find our way of tapping into something universal. So the way I did it was I would imagine all of these teachers around me and I was sit sitting there in the middle and they're all sending me their good qualities, their blessings and I feel that all of these teachers, all their good qualities are getting integrated inside of me. It could be a lot of teachers, it could just be one teacher, it doesn't matter. It could be just one quality, it could be love, it could be compassion. More is not necessarily better, right? The point is feeling inwardly supported. Someone believes in Sai Baba, alright, excellent. So you think of Sai Baba and Sai Baba is inwardly supporting you. So say with me, when weak, when weak surrender, 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 when strong, when strong serve. serve. So get the strength. Don't feel that you're alone in this world. You've got to fight this battle alone. You're not. You're always supported. There's such a lot of support available all the time. The more you walk on this path, you find there's endless support. Every step of the way, there's so much of support. And sometimes all you've got to do is ask. Try this. Wherever you're stuck in your life, just say, I can't handle it. Please help. <laughs> Whatever it is, help. And you'll get the help. You'll find the right person shows up, the right opportunity sh shows up. It happens all the time. It's right. written in the Bible. Ask it, and you shall exactly, receive. Exactly. Ask and you shall receive. Right. The doors so a lot of people, they talk about this, that they come to a very deep and dark place in their life. And they just said, I don't know. I, I, just, I have reached the end of my rope. Help. Whatever it is, if there is something out there listening, help. <coughs> and the help begins to come. It really does. In fact, I often thought that this is actually the beginning of anyone's spiritual journey. When you come to realize that I can't do this on my own, that I have my limitations. The day you realize I have my limitations, there's something beyond me, bigger than me, I don't understand it. And you surrender your life to that larger intelligence. That's when the genuine journey begins. Until then, you're just doing self-improvement. So to tap into that inner source, and to feel supported by that. So this is called intention insight. For me, this is the best intention, is to tap into your ultimate source, your universal source, in whatever way you do it, and then just feel that that's going to guide you, that's going to support you every step of the way you're guided. And then, instead of it that I am doing this, you're feeling that that is doing this. So then you, you feel yourself less as a person and more as an instrument. 
So then your life becomes an instrument. Say with me, may I be, may I be a channel of blessings, channel of blessings. For, someone today. for someone today. In other words, the intelligence of life is now using you for the benefit of whatever has to be done in this world. I like to, in a fun way I say this, we become secret agents of God. <laughs> secret agents of life, secret agents of truth. You were, were you raising your hand? No, I was just saying we were talking about this and uh, I somehow use it every day, uh -huh. every time of my, you know, if something is lost, divine search, if something is, uh, you know, not, someone's not well, divine healing, divine healing, <laughs> divine help, in every form I just call out for Excellent. divine and that so and, nice. and it just helps and works out how it's very mysterious. <laughs> You've you outsourced know? all your problems. <laughs> everything, everything falls into place and the right people come <laughs> and the right person is in front of you and you just feel all the time as if there's some divinity walking, talking, sitting, always present. So give us your top three or five mantras, we'll repeat it after you. So for divines, for example, divine. Divine health. Let's say divine health. Divine health. Divine healing. Divine, divine healing. healing. Divine search. Divine, divine search. search. Anything else? I don't know. Let's, let's, let's say divine love. Divine, divine love. peace. Divine peace. So what she's doing is she, just, she invokes it and says, okay, divine search. I can't yeah. find my keys, divine search. <laughs> right? I don't know what to do in this situation, divine help. Right? Because I just don't. Another good one is say with me, divine order. I had a friend who was getting married and she was very, very stressed, like too much of chaos, house is in chaos, everything is in chaos, she had to leave for the US right after the wedding, her bags were not packed. She was really getting, she was losing it, she was having a panic attack. And I began saying to her, I just said to her, uh, you know, told her name, I said just start saying divine order, divine order, divine order. And the whole day she kept chanting mentally divine order, divine order. And she called me up later on and said, amazing, everything fell in place, the bags got packed, <laughs> everything, everything I helped came, my sister helped. And the wedding happened and now I've left for the US, right? So truly like she's saying, go ahead. I, no, I was just saying that after some time, mm -hmm. I felt what I started with this kind of a thing. And then I just realized there's no need even to say it. <laughs> <laughs> this is just always it's given, there. That's so even <laughs> that saying became very silent beautiful, right? because there was no need. You know, you don't even have to ask, it's just there. How lovely. Let's all say how wonderful. How wonderful. So truly that she's really integrated it. Even the need to ask is not. Whatever is coming up, it's always the right thing. See, when you're liking what you're seeing, then your mind is one with God's mind. When you're liking what you're hearing, then your mind is one with God's mind. Life's mind, right? That intelligence. I, my definition of God is the grand overall design. <laughs> It's the G.O.D., the grand overall design of everything. It's the basic intelligence that is animating all things. So then you trust that intelligence. You see, nothing is out of place. Every step of my life is everything that happens is the right thing that happens. There is no mistake. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm just contemplating on your thing when you said what you focus on expands. Mm -hmm. okay, so it's not just the good things which you should focus on or is that they are expanding. There are other things that have been in life. And the attention also goes on those. Sure. So, uh, and the focus is also there. Yeah. So they are also expanding. Yes, it so is. Just thinking about those and yeah. wanting to understand. How sure. To see. So there's a lovely story, one of my favorite stories of Sufi. Sufi master is uh, getting a question in his mind. It's a very deep question. That I offer flowers to God. 
I make a I make a mosque for God. I write poems for God. But all of this is God's only flower is made by God. That inspiration has come from God. So am I really offering anything to God? So he has this big question, God, what can I offer you? Everything I offer you if I make something with stone, you only have made the stone. So what can I possibly offer you? Everything I give you is yours only. So he's very very perplexed. He's very perplexed. What can be my possibly what can be my offering? So God actually responds to him says, "Son, you're right." Everything is mine. <laughs> but where I am, there is something I don't have. So really, you don't have something? What is it you don't have? He says, where I am, it's very peaceful. So I don't have agitation. Where I am, it's very clear. There's no doubts. I don't have doubts. Where I am, there's no anxiety. Everything is very clear and, and, and coherent. Can you give it to me? And the Sufi says, Master, I've got lots of... I've, God, I've got lots of these things. <laughs> I've got lots of incoherence. I've got a lot of anxiety, lots of doubts, lots of all of this. I'm happy to give it to you. So now what this means is that life wants to experience all flavors. So could it be that, you know, this is one interesting story, that God gets tired of being peaceful all the time. <laughs> that God wants to experience a change once in a while. And the change, so could it be not suppose, now the, the power of the story is whatever you experience, God wants to experience jealousy for a bit. God wants to experience hesitation for a bit. God wants to experience confusion for a bit. Now instead of being my confusion, it's God's confusion. You see, it's not a problem anymore. It's a problem when you make it into an identity. By itself, it's not a problem. For example, there are five hindrances in meditation. Very briefly, uh, getting uh, attracted to some sensory experience. This is one. Restlessness is another one. Uh, sleepiness is another one. Sloth and turpur, restlessness. Ill will is another one. Not liking is another one. And the fifth one is doubt. Now, doubt is a very tricky one. How do you come out of the... There are remedies for all these four. In meditation, doubt is a very tricky one. So my teacher simply said, when in doubt, know that there is doubt. So instead of making it, uh, something's wrong with me, I don't understand it, this meditation is too difficult, I can't do it, simply know, say with me, this is doubt. This is doubt. And when you know that it is doubt, there is no doubt. <laughs> you know that it's doubt, right? So there's a certain clarity. Even to know that you're confused is a kind of clarity. So even to, so whatever you're experiencing, even that so-called unpleasant state, to know that it is just this state, it's not a problem anymore. The moment you make it personal, it says something's wrong with me. It shouldn't be the way it is. Something is off. That's when the problem comes in. But suppose nothing is off. Suppose whatever you're, you're going through right now, whatever turmoil you're going through right now, that, that is just the way it is. I just had a lovely phone call last evening. A gentleman at attended my program a year and a half back. And he called me up yesterday. He said, Nitya, I want to tell you that these two words you gave me, how wonderful, have made a huge difference in my life. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I lost my job. And I went on to, my father had, was, went to visit the US and had a paralytic stroke over there. And we've had crazy things happening in our family. I've had no financial security. My father's been so unwell. And I couldn't even tell my family too much about what's happening with my father. My son's doing his class 11. We don't want to disturb him. So all this is going on. He can't talk to anyone. So the thing I learned from you is be in the present and be grateful. So be in the present, be grateful, keep saying how wonderful, and just deal with it one moment at a time, one moment at a time, one moment at a time. I've recently become a CEO of a company, and I think one of the big things I can credit is this learning of live in the present and be thankful, be grateful. It's given me the strength to face everything. How wonderful. How wonderful, how wonderful. right. So that simple learning, so for example, even this, whatever you're experiencing, can I be open to it? Say, how wonderful, bring it on. 
powerful prayer is bring it on. Instead of saying, take this away and please fix this, that's not showing trust. Now, what kind of prayer is that? You trust the intelligence of life. Now that you brought me the situation, there must be a reason for it. Give me the strength to deal with it. Give me the courage, give me the patience, give me the love, give me the sense of humor to deal with the situation. And that, then you're aligning with the way of life instead of trying to disrupt it or change it. You're becoming one with the process of life. So yes, what you focus on expands. Instead of thinking, I am focusing on it, life is enjoying this. So you become again a channel of blessings. So to tap into that, so for example, if I'm going to give a talk, can I take a moment, instead of thinking Nitya Shanti is giving the talk, Nitya Shanti has only so many years of life experience and only so much of death. But if I tune in and say that is giving the talk, whatever that is. I'm just the channel. I'm just open, right. Then this talk is not only an important experience for you, it's an important learning for me as well. Because even I'm listening to all that's coming out. Now whatever you do, some of you may be an artist, artist or you may be in, in, a, in an organization, instead of thinking that I am doing this to get something, you say that that is doing this for the benefit of all. Then anything you do becomes miraculous. You could be a bus conductor. You could be a courier guy. And it's going to change because you're coming with a whole different energy. You see, each one of us is making a difference in this world. There are no mistakes. So intention inside is to tune in and to surrender and to trust that I say, I'm always supported. In fact, say with me, I am, I am always supported, always, supported always, guided, always guided, always held, always, held, always, protected. always protected. There is infinite, there is infinite support, support and strength and power, and power and love, and love available, to available to me. Just experience that for a minute. And I'd like you to take any challenge you're currently facing in your life, any problem, any limitation, and just offer it to that highest, and ask for support, ask for divine help, divine guidance, divine strength. And feel that support, guidance, and strength coming to you right now.
nice deep breath. Let's say together, how wonderful. Do you need to stretch your legs? Yeah. Most people are not used to sitting on the ground. Just take a minute, if you want to, just take a minute to stretch your legs and sit down again. And when you get up, just greet the people around you. Namaste. <laughs> 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 How are you doing? <laughs> stretch your legs, stretch your legs if you want. Less, less of the water. Anjali, she's feeling a little cold. Can you change the setting of the AC? Stretch your legs and then sit down again. We'll go for another 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Just practice this greeting. Practice this greeting. Put your hands together and say to the person next to you, the highest in me, to the highest in you, may this be the happiest day of your life. How wonderful. All right, sit down. Too much of a party is happening. <laughs> sit, sit, sit. We'll go for a few more minutes. So I want to share one practical, I want to share one example from my life where I use this very powerfully. I was, uh, we talked about intention inside. So when I was a monk, I lived as a monk for about six years. I came to a point where I began to seriously question my journey ahead. Is it to continue as a monk or is it to share what I've learned in the way I'm doing now? And I was actually torn because a part of me loved being a monk. And a part of me also felt that it's limiting me in some way. It's keeping me too fixed on one system of thinking. And I wanted to expand and I said, no, I think there are many ways of approaching the truth, not just one way. And I wasn't sure if I'm fooling myself or what. So I went through a turmoil for three or four months. A lot of inner questioning, a lot of inner turmoil. I couldn't find the answer. So finally I said, okay, I can't find the answer to this. This is beyond me. So in a, in a, I sat down and I imagined that there's a long table. Have you seen this painting of uh, Jesus Christ, the Last Supper? Yeah. There's a long table yeah. and Jesus is sitting with his disciples. Right? Yeah. So imagine a long table like that. And I thought of a long table. And on this table I assembled some of the people I was most inspired by. So all these people I consider to be very enlightened, very wise, very free. And I invited all of these people and I put them in a big, on that big table. And I went up to the table with a file. And the file just had one question in it. Should I continue as a monk or not? <laughs> right? That was the major question was, what am I supposed to do next? Because I can't figure it out. So I went to them and I said, listen, this is the file. This is the question. I have thought about this for the last three months. I have not got any answer. And I'm getting tired of thinking about this. So I'm giving this file to you. All of you know what's best. All of you are very wise. You please discuss amongst yourself. And you find a way to give me the answer. <laughs> and I'm not going to think about this anymore. I'm tired of thinking about this. I'm surrendering it to you. You figure it out and you communicate it to me. And I put the file and I left. And I truly, I inwardly just put it down, I'm not going to think about this anymore. Done. And whatever answer has to be is going to come to me. And from that moment onwards, my life began to be guided. One thing led to the other, led to the other. I had to come to India, I had to go to the US, I met various people. And it was so effortless, it was so effortless, it became so clear. And in 2008, I woke up one morning and I had a dream. Early morning I had a dream and in that dream it was so clear. The time has come. And I woke up that morning, I told my parents, I've decided, I was in Pune at the time, I was still a monk. I said, okay, I've decided to leave my robes. And in Buddhism, you can leave, there's no big stigma around leaving. I mean, they still encourage you to be a monk, but you can leave a monk, leave monkhood and become a monk up to seven times in your lifetime. 
So I said I, I, I've decided to leave and share what I've learned outside of my monastic life. And it so happened at the same time, there was a monk visiting from my monastery in Pune. What are the chances of that? And so I, we had a small ceremony and I stepped out of the robes and I continued doing what I'm doing. But I just found that a very powerful example of how tapping into that inner resource, which is always available to us. We don't realize how much support we have. So learn to tune in in whatever way works for you. If it's some religious context, do that. If it's a non-religious context, do that. Like Edison did not use a religious context. He used a scientific context. He thought of the most brilliant mind that ever lived. If you're an artist, then think of an artistic context. Think of the most inspiring, creative, innovative minds that have ever lived. And why not have a mixture of all different kinds of people instead of only having spiritual teachers, also have visionaries, also have great social crusaders, people who inspire you basically, whose qualities you would love to bring into your life. And it's, you know, we talk about the internet, but this is the internet. You're learning to access the internet. And just like you look for answers on the internet, you go to Google, start to search in your internet as well. <coughs> tune in and realize there is an infinite resource available to you. Learn to tune in. Like with internet, you need a strong connection, a broadband connection to get answers. Here also you need a strong connection, which is why we meditate. We meditate to strengthen the connection. So the first part, attention outside, attention inside, is strengthening that connection. Your mind is more stable. You're able to be aware of your thinking and also to come to the source of that thinking, what is aware of these thoughts. And the stronger that connection is, the more quickly, more easily, more effortlessly, more reliably, you will access your inner guidance. It all goes together. And now we come to the last part of this. Say with me, intention, intention. Outside. outside. So start with a very simple example. Uh, I read a small article by uh, Richard Gere, the actor. And he said that he learned a very simple practice. Any person he met, he would bring up the thought, I wish you happiness. So throughout the day, anyone he would meet, he would inwardly say what? I wish you happiness. So throughout the day, whoever he met, I wish you happiness. And he said just thinking like that would change the relationship. Because at some level, normally when we meet people, it has got an agenda, I need something. Give me this, give me that. Either it's a practical thing or it is give me attention, give me love, give me understanding, give me support. We are wanting, wanting, wanting. But suppose you change that into what can I give you? How can I support you? And I just want you to be happy. Uh, one of my teachers, Byron Katie, uh, somebody asked her, what will happen if your husband falls in love with another woman? So she got quiet for a moment, and then she said, I'll help him pack his bags. <laughs> <laughs> because whose business is it who he loves? His, of course. Whose business is it who I love? Mine, of course. Don't we always say, I just want you to be happy? So it turns out that the husband is happy with someone else. Okay, let's help you pack your bags. <laughs> you see? And I love the clarity of that. Not everybody is mature enough to say that, but you can come to a place of that much clarity. You know what? You can love anyone that you want. And I can love that anyone that I want. Love is, you know, it's like when you're in a state of love, it's a state of abundance. There's not that many itna diya, apne kitna wapis diya. That's not love. That's a, that's a contract. That's a transaction. When you're in a state of love, and some of the best moments of my life, and I can literally remember them, have been states of just pure love. And there is no question of what will you give me in return. There is no question of that in that state. It's just so complete. There's a sense of oneness. In oneness, there is no give and take. It is just connection. 
So, um, Richard Gere, this simple practice, I wish you happiness. I think it's a very powerful intention to have. Wherever you go, I wish you happiness. Uh, instead of what can I get? Yeah. I want to share something with Let me just finish. So instead of what can I get, you say what can I bring? What can I give? And that changes the energy. Yeah. I just want to share this. Uh, I don't know how it started, but for years I've been uh, doing this practice. Uh, and Richard Gere reminded me of it somehow. That wherever I enter, you know, like uh, a hospital or a movie theater where there are crowds and loads of people or aeroplane I just sit and close my eyes and I just say I bless each one for their highest enfoldment and you know may they blossom to their ultimate and I just start with that and somehow I don't know what it does to them but it just puts you in a beautiful state and the rest of the journey is just like you're flying okay. you come back very contented so you get a deep silence a deep contentment really. can you say it again slowly what you just the intention you just made i bless everyone say it again. i just bless uh, everybody for their highest enfoldment may they blossom to their ultimate so say it slowly we'll repeat it after you uh, i wish everyone i wish everyone Blossoming for their, for their highest, highest blossoming. May they just blossom to their ultimate potential. May, May they, they blossom, blossom to their, their ultimate potential. potential. Just hold that intention for this group right now. Take a deep breath. How wonderful. What did you notice as you held that intention? That I wish everyone here accesses has full unfolding and, and blossoms in the best possible way to their, to their full potential. What is it like to think, uh, to have that intention? Anybody? Expansion. Expansion? Twinkling around. <laughs> someone has not spoken. Let's have someone in the back. Someone from that corner? Anyone? It's, it's, it's giving happiness to yourself and it's just starting from you. <coughs> starting first from you? Yeah, it's first is giving you happiness. Yes, yes. Beautiful. And just a sense of happiness radiating. Beautiful. I could feel a lot coming back. A lot coming back as well. Yes. Powerful. Yeah, I very nice. feel that. I feel it's my need. It's my? It's my need. It's my need. Yes, of course. It, it, it's our need as well. How nice. And that's a good point because you know what we're wanting. Aren't we all wanting an environment where people think like that for us? Yes. They just want us to blossom fully and support us in whatever way. Well, how will you get that unless you create that? So it starts with you, right? So you start thinking in that direction. Wherever I go, can I just wish that everyone blossoms to their full potential? And maybe, maybe I just realized it right now. Maybe that's the reason why you feel you know something always with you. It's maybe the universal blessings. Beautiful. How wonderful. Oh, no. How wonderful. It's so true. Yeah. So I've been trying to send people smiles for like for like for seven years or eight years or Whenever I go on roads and random people who, are, who have sad faces, especially men and especially young people, <laughs> 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 that do open target areas because I've seen a lot of men. Like men are all very morose. <laughs> <laughs> and then young girls, they're extremely beautiful. Sad and I've seen people so how do you send a smile? Do you smile yourself? What so do you do? No, I do, I do. I, do. <laughs> I, do a lot. I try to make an eye contact, but most of the time it's not possible. 
So what I do is I tell them in my in my own personal area that you know you're so beautiful and you don't need to cry for anything you have. Yeah. You love your life, but everybody is sharing a positive experience. I don't have that kind of positive experience. People don't end up smiling. <laughs> and I did that for like thousand people. Yeah. Based on the track record, I can count. Yeah. But not all of them end up smiling. So I just want to ask yeah. why. Why the energy? Like, how how can this be done in the right way so that Correct. you know it nice. makes instant change? Very nice. Well, first of all, I would say instead of focusing on the result, yeah. and by the way, not every time. Like, for example, there have been times in my life I've been so peaceful that even smiling is an effort. Smiling is not necessarily a state of like when I would meditate. I used to meditate uh, morning and evening in my college days. And after meditation, I'd be so peaceful that I wouldn't smile. People say, "What happened? Are you sad?" <laughs> I wasn't sad. I was actually so deeply peaceful. There was no facial expression. So just because someone is not smiling doesn't mean that they're not they're not all right. So instead of I would instead of keeping smiling as a target, you just have a sense of may everyone be inwardly at ease. May they have inner peace. May they have clarity. May they have guidance. Right. Uh, a nicer indication than smiles for me is eyes. You'll notice people have shiny eyes. So when they're inwardly peaceful, they have shiny eyes. So can you have the intention that wherever I go, I will be safe with me? May I be surrounded? May I be surrounded? By people, by people with shiny eyes, with shiny eyes, twinkling eyes. And then you ask yourself, who am I being if their eyes are not shining? If you come home and suddenly <laughs> the shine disappears, bless you. Bless you. Too much of shine can lead to irritation, isn't it? <laughs> so, so when you come home and their eyes are not shining, you say, who am I being that the eyes are not shining? So let's do a simple practice now. We will imagine that for the rest of our day. Wherever we are going today, people's eyes start shining. Just by our being there, and by the simple things we say and do, shine starts coming to the right. Can you practice this? Close your eyes, and I'll think for the next minute. Wherever I'm going today, whoever I'm meeting, they start having shiny eyes and a shiny heart. And I myself have shiny eyes and a shiny heart. all through the day whoever i meet wherever i go consciously or unconsciously i create a space full of shiny eyes and now imagine you're back home and today it's amazing everyone in your home has got shiny eyes so notice the faces notice their eyes and notice a changed atmosphere in your home all your hearts are connected and also imagine your workspace wherever you work people have got shiny eyes and the work is getting done so effortlessly without resistance with a lot of support and cooperation and you're really enjoying the process you're really enjoying the process and please say with me 
May I be happy. May I be happy. May you be happy. May you be happy. May all beings be happy. May all beings be happy. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. Deep breath. Open your eyes. How wonderful. How wonderful. Nice little visualization. Yeah. Shiny eyes. So again, I would say don't focus on the results. You just focus on being that. Because ultimately that's, and everyone will take their own time. But you are there like a lighthouse, radiating these good intentions all, in all directions. All right, so uh, another way to practice these uh, intention outside, there's something called the Brahma Viharas, and I share this in my retreats. So please say with me, Maitri, Maitri Karuna, Karuna, Mudita, Mudita Upeksha. Now Maitri means a sense of loving friendliness for all, loving kindness for all. That may all beings be happy. So the, the feeling you have with a very good friend, that feeling of ease, that feeling of trust, that feeling of cooperation, connection, expand that to all beings, that all are my friends. I've got no enemies. They say that a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. So just to have that feeling, uh, my teacher said when she enters a room, she knows that everyone loves her. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> what a lovely thought. That when I enter a room, everyone loves me, they don't know it yet. And I love everyone, and they don't know it yet. Right? It's a lovely way of thinking. So this is called Maitri. Second is called Karuna. Karuna is compassion. Compassion is the wish that may all be free from their sufferings. That whatever baggage, whatever load, whatever heaviness they're carrying, may they all be liberated from that. May they be at ease, may they be well. So may you be free from suffering. Karuna Bhav, compassion. Because compassion, common passion, we have the common passion, we want to be free from suffering. Everyone you meet, would you agree, is carrying a heavy, heavy burden? We don't even know what the burden is. Everyone is carrying some kind of a burden. The question is, as you go through your day, do you add to their burden? Or do you reduce their burden? I would say if you don't reduce their burden, at least don't add to their burden. Right. So in every interaction, it doesn't take much. Something as simple as smiling at a shopkeeper and saying, your shop is so clean. That'll make his day. He works so hard to keep his shop clean. No one ever notices. People just come by and leave. Looking at a child and recognizing some good quality they have. Because everyone's always going to correct that child. Aise karo, aise mat karo. I was in the airport line. This mother and her child. The mother is non-stop telling, aise mat karo, waha mat jao, wo mat chua, wo mat chua. Poor mother, I don't blame her. But to constantly keep telling, ye mat karo, ye mat karo, ye mat karo. Main tumhi yaha chhod dungi. She even said that, main tumhi yaha chhod dungi. Both not here. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's not going to. <laughs> if you keep on focusing on that, the poor, that's not the kind of impressions. You know, if you if you focus on the time, <laughs> and at one point, a passenger dropped his ticket, and the child picked up the ticket and gave it to him. You know that I would really focus on that. You know, whoa, what a what an amazing thing you did. What a great child you are. What a smart that passenger would have such a hard time. But that was a very quick, huh, good boy. But then again, back to Yemad Karo work. So it was like... Uh, and the kid really wanted some chewing gum. So she kept talking to the other people in line. Train to the chewing gum allowed me, you know, come. Train to the chewing gum allowed me. <laughs> it was a big game we were all playing. We chewing gum, plain to chewing gum allowed me. But the point is, so again, common passion. And you focus on the small ways in which you can lighten the load of others. What can you do to lighten the load of others? And we all have that capacity. Right. The third one is mudita, rejoicing in the happiness of others. 
anyone who's doing well, who's happy, who's already already prospering, you actually rejoice in their happiness. Say with me, your happiness, your happiness is my happiness. Is my happiness. A powerful thought. So anybody who's earning more than you, you say, your happiness is my happiness. Anyone who's healthier than you, your happiness is my happiness. Anyone who's more famous than you, your happiness is my happiness. Like this, you think <coughs> this is an abundance mindset. And you're, you automatically become so thankful for where you are. There is no mistake in the world. Right. I met someone uh, in Delhi, he lives, uh, he is one of the richest people in, in India. Top 100 list. And he says he purposely divides his money in such a way that he does not appear in the top 100 list, even though he actually belongs to the top 100 list. Because the moment you enter that list, everyone starts harassing you. Politicians start harassing you, gangsters start harassing you, everyone starts harassing you. So you see, even someone who's got a lot of money has their own set of problems. You don't right now know the problems of someone with a lot of money. So could it be that the amount of money you have right now is so wonderful? And you can also rejoice in someone who's got even more money? Like this, whoever, wherever you are, can you rejoice in where you are, in where other people are. This is called Mudita Bhav. Rejoicing in the happiness of everyone. So the first one is Maitri Bhav, loving kindness. Second one is Karuna Bhav, compassion. Mudita Bhav. And the fourth one, which is uh, appreciative joy. And the last one is Upeksha Bhav, balance of mind. A good example is a bottle of honey. If I shake a bottle of honey, and I shake a bottle of water, what happened to the bottle of water? The water splashed all around inside. What happened to the bottle of honey? Didn't move so much. So what this means is, can your mind be stable and balanced? When the unwanted things happen, you should not get so shaken up by that. If you get very, very shaken up by the unwanted things of life, you haven't found that inner stability yet. So find that inner stability. The truth is that we are all going to die one day. And in front of that big knowledge that one day I'm going to die, all these small, small things that we experience on a day-to-day -day level, stock market going up and down, or unwanted things happening, someone blaming us, someone accusing us, they become minuscule, they become nothing, compared to that big realization. So we focus on the most important opportunities in our life. My teacher said it very nicely. He said that uh, the steady resistance to the unnecessary is a secret of success. This is a big sadhana in itself. Say with me, what is, what is unnecessary, unnecessary in, my life? in my life? I would love for you to sit down and think about it. Where is my energy going? What television programs, what needless company, what needless activities, what needless <coughs> business am I creating for myself? That is scattering me so much. That despite all the modern conveniences of washing machines and cars and maids and everything, I've got no time to breathe, despite all of that. So what is unnecessary? To come to the necessary, you have to find the unnecessary first. So say with me, the steady resistance, steady resistance to the unnecessary, to the unnecessary is, a is a secret of success. So the fourth thing that I shared with you today, for me that's necessary. The direct experience of change as a presence and the inner support of reality and then being a channel of blessings for all. For me this is necessary. Everything else is unnecessary. If I take care of these, these four things, and you can bring them down to two things, attention and intention, it starts revealing to me my one thing foundation, the truth of life. Right. So this is what I would like to offer you today. You can reflect on this. You were raising your hand? Yeah.
you know what's interesting the brain uh, the brain um, activity of excitement is the same brain activity of anxiety it's very interesting the brain activity is the same so it's just a matter of where it turns. It's the same kind of restless brain activity. So come into the present, number one. If you have a, some kind of a spiritual practice, meditation practice, you'll, you'll be able to come back to your breath, for example. If you have a mantra, you'll come back to your mantra. Something that's centering you, stabilizing you. Any of these four things will do that. For example, when I feel too much of jumpiness coming, I just come to the impermanent aspect of it. Yes, it's wonderful, but things change. Not to get negative about it, but that's the reality of it. No matter how good it is, it's going to change. No matter how down it is, it's going to change. That stabilizes the mind. That makes the mind more like honey. So you enjoy it. Nothing stops you from enjoying it. In fact, you enjoy it, I would say, more fully than the excited person. The excited person is so bouncy, they're missing out on a lot. Their mind is so racy, they're missing out on a lot. When you slow down, every, even the pleasant experiences are experienced more fully. And even the unpleasant experiences, you go deeply into it, and you're done. Like the person who got angry, I talked about the Zen retreat. You got so upset, in that moment it was finished. When you experience, please say with me, fully feeling, fully what, I, what I'm feeling, what is very healing. <laughs> so even that excitement, can you fully feel that excitement? Can you shift to observation? And ask yourself, here's a nice question someone taught me the other day. Say with me, how does it, how does it get better than this? So excitement is good. Is there something beyond excitement? Maybe it's joy. Is there something beyond joy? Maybe it's gratitude. Is, is there something beyond gratitude? Maybe it's peace. Is there something beyond peace? And you come to something you can't even describe. So how does it get even better than this? What else is possible? Another good question. What else is possible? So this changes your way of thinking around these issues. Right. And uh, you'd find that it's possible to experience the ups of life and the downs of life like the movie screen where everything is projected but nothing is affected so from being an unhappy somebody I am this that and the rest we become a happy nobody happy nobody is life all seasons of life all flavors of life can spin but there's no one getting affected by any of us we found that place of never born never dying what is our true nature? I sometimes find culturally we, we, you know, like for example, everywhere in the world we celebrate birthdays. And that's fine, it's good to celebrate. But the thing is, when you celebrate a birthday, you strengthen identification with the body. I am now so many years old. <laughs> this is just a mental concept. I am so many years old. First of all, years is a human invention. There's no such thing as years. There is just this life, this life energy. Suppose you change that and said, I'm, I'm getting wiser and wiser. <coughs> I'm getting more and more free. I'm getting more and more energetic. I'm getting, my vision is getting clearer and clearer. So then from aging, you go to saging. <laughs> no more aging, only saging. So your life capacity keeps on expanding instead of getting contracted. So you have to challenge such cultural notions. All right. Anybody else wants to say anything? So Ask instead anything? of my birthday, I, I see my life is I would say I, I would say there's no need to. I mean, up to you. But I don't really think about my birthday. What did you just say? That Instead of aging, saging. That my life is expanding or whatever. Yeah. So I would say I would say I think I'm getting wiser and wiser. I'm getting younger and younger. I'm getting more and more energetic. 
So I can do this on my birthday, you mean? Do it all the time. Don't just wait for your birthday. I'm just thinking because it's coming. And you can celebrate. I would use the birthday as a time to reflect and a time to be grateful. So sit with family and friends. Say, okay, what was this year like? What are the important learnings in this year? What are the things I've let go in this year? What are the what am I looking forward to in the next year? It's always a good opportunity to pause. Yeah, the thing I had read was that you know to in fact to meditate on my death. Ah, that it's good. coming. And so that's another way to value my the rest That's what the Buddhists do, it's okay, one more year. <laughs> <getting closer>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what they so do. This is another way. <laughs> so of course with generally uh -huh. people saying it's just better to just say, Okay, thank you, thank you. Otherwise way to explain to everybody that of course. they say stop talking about death. Don't say that birthday. <laughs> don't don't do that. <laughs> And that's fine, but I'm just saying question a lot of our cultural thing we do normally, it reinforces certain belief systems without, without our even realizing. So the best, I mean the wisest people I've known have, they don't really think about their, they don't think of their age as a number. They don't even think of themselves as a body yet. There is a body, but I'm not this body. So you live in a timeless realm, timeless realm, and then you're equally capable of being a child, you can play with children, and equally capable of being a very wise person. Everything in between, all flavors are available to you. Why should your body's uh, age determine all of those things? There is no reason for it to determine all of those things. Have you noticed children laugh a lot more than adults? And children, they get upset, but they also balance themselves a lot faster than adults. So what have we really learned then? <laughs> There's a nice book that everything I needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. It talks about all the important lessons of life are taught to us in kindergarten. We tend to forget. Padmajar. Excellent. So, uh, we are not focused that we are getting what we are focused on. No, this, this is an extra tree this year. Extra tree. Extra tree this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, people, uh, we call it the tree party revolution. So tree party. party <laughs> and we have samosa and chai. <laughs> Lovely. That's a great idea. And you, you've actually been doing this for yourself? Uh, uh, in our family, yes. And I have been promoting it amongst our friends. And we encourage them. You know, on the what a good idea. We, I understand you got it. If nothing, if you can't plant it, then you can pot. <laughs> And give it to your society. Excellent. Let's all say how wonderful. In fact, in, in Bhutan recently, yes. they planted I don't know how many million yeah. trees, yes. the king's mm -hmm. birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way to celebrate a birthday instead of creating even more uh, rubbish and, uh, you know, the, every celebration we do takes up so much of paper and takes up so many other resources. We're actually adding to the, uh, to the, to the pile and we're actually making, shortening the lifespan of our planet <laughs> uh, to celebrate our own lifespan. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, right. I'll tell you a very interesting experience. I met a world famous historian in Oxford. Yeah. And his op office was in a kindergarten. <laughs> oh. Uh, and all, none of the university. And I said, why do you have your office in the kindergarten? He said, because from the age from zero to six is really when I learn. And beyond that, there is no learning. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that at the back? You heard it? Yeah. So office he, in the kindergarten. Yeah. Fantastic. He's a historian who advises the world's largest uh, presidents, tech firms. Wow. To What's his name? The guy called Theodore Zeldin. Theodore Zeldin, excellent. Lovely to know. Let's take a minute of silence. Thank you.
please tune into these four aspects right now. So tune into the direct experience of change. As a presence, which means who am I without my stories? and feel the infinite support that you always have intention inside feel completely supported see your life as a channel of blessings, an instrument for the highest, spreading shiny eyes wherever you go, a secret agent of God, a secret agent of life. deep breath and let's say together may I be, may I be a channel of blessings, channel of blessings for, someone for someone today how wonderful how wonderful, how wonderful. all right lovely to see you all and, uh, and I think don't uh, run away, just interact with a few people on your way out and uh, anything you want to add? There's some prashad as well, so have something and just share with people what are the most important learning, that's one way for you to consolidate. Alright, thank you, come. And I think Anjali wants everyone to light uh, incense stick also. Yeah. Alright, light an incense stick.